Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Today I'm interviewing Kelly Farron. Kelly is a gerontologist, a longevity expert, she's an author, speaker, and what I like to say is she's not your typical gerontologist. I don't know what people think of when they think of a gerontologist, but whatever it is that you think of, that's not who Kelly is. She is absolutely amazing. She's one of the first to launch financial gerontology to better plan, understand, and address longevity issues. She's all about, not about aging, about longevity and aging well. And so I am so happy to have Kelly Farron on the show with us today. Thanks, Mary Beth. Always a pleasure to be with you. Well, I am so glad to have you. So tell us the story. How did you decide to become a gerontologist? Because I I think, you know, this was in college or something for you. And so that's a long time ago, thinking about gerontology. So how did this become appealing for you? Well, you know, you're absolutely right. I'm not your typical gerontologist. And most people, frankly, don't even know what a gerontologist is. Or if they do, they probably are thinking about a bottle of Geritol, uh, which is not really what I focus on. <laughs> and uh, I was really, I think my story is really kind of unique in the fact that I would never have thought of being a gerontologist. I was fortunate enough to go to the University of Southern California on a golf scholarship and came out a gerontologist, which some people maybe are making that connection. Uh, <laughs> certainly the fact that I competed with kids my own age uh, on the golf course, but most of the time I spent on the golf course was with older adults. So I think at a very early age, subconsciously, not really even aware of what was going on at the time, I started looking at aging with a totally different vibe. I saw healthy, active, working, traveling, volunteering. The interesting thing was I got into the academic side of aging. Now, this is the top school in the nation for the field of gerontological study, a university with hundreds, if not thousands of graduates in other disciplines. There were five people in my graduating class. So that's why most people have never met a gerontologist before. There are not very many of us around. Yet if we're taking a look at the coming demographics in this country, that should be a little unnerving, that we're indeed becoming an aged society. Yet very few people specialize in the field of aging. So I've been very fortunate. Fortunate uh, in my path, I certainly had to blaze my own trail. There was no, there were no breadcrumbs left as to how to follow into this path of gerontology. And I think for me also, uh, it's important to share. Probably one of the most powerful statistics I share in all of my talks that I do is that all, you know, we have a very negative image of aging in this country. Yet we, as a culture and a country, have wanted to enable people to live very long lives, which we've done an extraordinary job at. Now that we're here, does anybody really want to be? there. So how we think about aging really is an important part of the work that I do, getting people to think differently. And I help them understand why they do have somewhat of a negative image of aging, predominantly because all of the studies on aging in our country up until the last maybe 20, 25 years or so ago at the most were all done in nursing homes, all of them. (laughs) So That usually is a wake-up call for a lot of people. I mean, that's a very convenient place to study one side of aging, but the only side of aging. And so as a result, then, have we as a society been kind of conditioned to believe that age is a time of decline? Do people age because they expect to age? Uh, So these are some of the challenges. And then, you know, coming into the financial industry has been uh, just an extraordinary journey for me. And to be able to share this story uh, with that industry and helping them help their clients rethink longevity, but really probably most importantly, rethink retirement and how they're going to live and plan their lives. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think there is some, I didn't know that about the nursing homes, but that would explain, well, you know, getting old is sort of a, it's kind of a negative thing. But in reality, getting getting older is getting wiser and having fun and being able to utilize all the things that you've got in your life. I know that you have done a lot of uh, writing and interviewing and researching what you call super seniors. So um, tell the audience about what a super senior is. And maybe if you can share a, share a story with us about someone who is aging well. Well, you know, I think Coach K, I, I always call you Coach K, and I call you now. Um, you know, I think one of the things that, that's interesting about it is today's older adults, uh, 65 plus, are absolutely positively reinventing the second phase of life. And this is the first generation to really live long, healthy lives. So we're watching and we're learning in some extraordinary ways. And so for me, when I... You know, I'm a person who just loves talking to people. I love learning from people. I think we can learn from each other so beautifully that it was very clear to me early on in back in 1978 is the first time I took a course in gerontology. Uh, so I've been beating this horse for a long time. But I could quickly see that we needed to change thinking. And I can bring out all sorts of facts and statistics. But what really makes a difference is the people's stories and how they looked at their own aging process or how they looked at certain challenges in their life or new opportunities in a time in their life, particularly retirement for a lot of people, that they were like, okay, I'm ready to go. What am I going to do next? And that's the message that we really want to share with people because if I can get people to think differently, we can help change their lives. So it's that mindset, attitude, and beliefs that drives behaviors. If we believe the second half of life can be a time of good health and vitality and productivity, we're much more likely to incorporate the lifestyle behaviors that will enable that to happen. But if we think it's an automatic time of decline, we give it up, we go to the Barker lounger, we blame it all on age and watch ourselves go downhill. So that's not the way we want to do it. So many, many moons ago, it feels like uh, back in the early 90s, I guess it was, I wrote my first book, What's Age Got to Do With It, where I profiled 122 people between the ages of 67 to 122. So in some respects, it was kind of a chicken soup for the soul with a gerontological spin. And there were so many different people uh, in my book, but probably two of the most intriguing ones to me right now that come off the top of my head is the youngest person in my book, 67, was Sister Madonna Buder. And Sister Madonna Buder was a real nun. She still is a nun. They call her the nun on the run. And if you Google her right now, you will find that she is now 85 years old. She has become the oldest person to ever complete an Ironman triathlon. She's done it 45 times. Oh uh, and she is just an amazing, amazing woman. And she really is somewhat of a celebrity. She says, you know, Kelly, I don't even try and go for time that much anymore, except when I'm really seriously competing, because everybody who participates recognizes her and always wants to stop and have her give them a blessing. So she always gives people blessings as she's running or swimming or biking or doing whatever she's doing. Um, the other favorite person of mine, without question, is Burt Morrow. Uh, Burt Morrow claims he was healthier in his 80s than he ever was in his 40s or 50s. Became a world record hurdler at the age of 86. Traveled all over the world. We did quite a bit of uh, traveling with him for the World Veteran Track and Field Games. So these are some of the athletic stories that we see out there. But they're also people who have just done extraordinary, beautiful giving things. Volunteering is, is another thing. Mentoring. Uh, some great stories there. One of my favorite people, too. I remember he when he retired, he uh, 
he, he we volunteered at a hospital and he could have owned the hospital wing he volunteered for. I mean, money was not an issue for him, but he wanted to do something with meaning. And he, be, he became part of the U.S. Cuddler Program, which is at hospitals all over the United States, where volunteers of any age, but oftentimes we do see them at retired age, will help you know, oftentimes cuddle premature babies. They give the families a little bit of a break. And I'll never forget, he told me, he says, yep, we wrap them up like a little burrito and hold them close to our heart and rock with them. And he says, I don't know which, he says, don't tell anybody, I'd pay to do this work if I couldn't volunteer. So they're just some, some great stories and, and people coming, getting over widowhood or sudden loss of a family member. And, and what are some of the things that they use to, to get through those times? And it often is giving of themselves and going out and doing something in honor of that person, perhaps. And those are incredible tools and methods that we learn from, from watching people experience, whether it's good or bad in their lives and how they deal with that. But there's definitely some aging secrets in conjunction with all of those types of things, like keeping ourselves involved, having a sense of meaning, having a sense of purpose, you know, having a reason to get up in the morning, getting out and keeping ourselves engaged socially, mentally, physically. Um, all of those types of things are really secrets to living extraordinary ways. Yeah. And, you know, I thinking Long about answer. that, you know, when people are it used to be when you would retire, that you'd worked your whole life and you worked hard and then you retired. And you were looking forward to sitting around and, and not doing nearly as much, but that led to people getting sick early and led to all these things. And I think it goes back to that purpose that you were talking about, like you used to get up to go to work, but now why are you getting up? So how do you advise people like that are thinking about planning out that, that retirement? How, how do we rethink that? Yeah. Well, you know, that's a great question. And I think that, you know, I help people recognize that we're spending 30 years, up to 30 years, one third of our life in retirement, which, you know, when retirement was designed back in the 1930s or somewhere in that, you know, life expectancy was 47. Uh, when we came up with Bismarck formula of life expectancy of um, retirement age of 65. That was back in the late 1800s, actually. So we really have never really changed that whole concept, but certainly the concept of retirement has changed. And I think a lot of people know that they're seeing that around, but it's funny when someone comes up to me or we may be talking and they're saying, yeah, I can't wait to retire. And I said, what are you going to do next? And they kind of look at me funny, like, what do you mean? What am I going to do next? I'm retiring. And, you know, oftentimes the response is, well, I'm going to play golf. I'm going to do this. And I said, okay, what's, what are you going to do after the next six months? Because that's going to get old after a while. And, you know, we certainly in my industry, uh, we recognize that we've probably not done enough um, to help people make that transition into a healthy retirement. Retiring to something instead of from something is a really important part of that. Uh, I'll never forget, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, and interviewing Phyllis Diller. And uh, Phyllis Diller, at the age of 85, I think we did our interview, Phyllis Diller was the very first woman to ever become a stand-up comic. And uh, she spent 50 years on the road as a stand-up comic. Uh, started rather late in life at the age of 35 as a wife with five kids. Now, you can appreciate this you know, group of people. They really don't like to be asked how old they are, but I couldn't resist. I said, you know, how old are you, Phyllis? I knew how old she was, but I wanted to see what she'd say. She goes, well, what part of my body do you want to know about, Kelly? <laughs> there are no two parts of my body the same age. My fear now is that God's not going to recognize me. But it was interesting. Her inner circle wanted me to chat with her about her transition to retirement because they were really concerned about what she was going to do, you know, how she was going to live without the limelight and all of this. 
I'll tell you what, within the first five to ten minutes of our conversation, I could quickly say that Phyllis Diller was going to have no trouble retiring because Phyllis was all about retiring to something and not just from something. She had a list from here to there uh, as to all the different things that she wanted to do. And so many people, I think they enjoy what they're doing, whether it's work, whether it's travel, because of their work. That's one thing that I've noticed with celebrity interviews. They love what they do, but they get tired of being on the road. So I think it's just that same old, same old, same old, getting up at the same time, going to making the same drive, going to work. You know, that's maybe what gets tiresome. So in retirement, you don't have that as much anymore. And now you get to do what you want to do. It doesn't mean that you're going to be not doing anything. But certainly, it's it's the people who stay, you know, healthy and active and involved. And actually, don't even say healthy. I mean, look at look at Betty White. You know, is she 93, still working. You know, is she healthy because she's working, or is she working because she's healthy? You know? mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting thing. You know, like we always say, make sure you have a dog and something to get up into, something to be responsible for. Without that, you're just kind of existing uh, instead of living. And I think that's a huge difference. Yeah, that absolutely. And the things that you talk about are, you know, you said it before, changing people's lives. It's really true. Because if we think about this the way that our parents thought about it, it's not going to work that great. There's so much more for us, you know. But so... Oh, let me yeah, make one more comment on that note before I forget, because I think it's an interesting study. You know, Yale study, Yale did a study a few years ago where they asked people about, you know, the idea of retirement and the idea of getting older. The people who had a positive perspective were likely to live seven years longer. But more interestingly than that was the fact that people who had a negative perspective about aging or retirement were twice as likely to die of a heart attack. So, you know, what we think really does indicator dictate how we live our lives and if we can change thinking and particularly about a phase of life that's not something people have really always looked forward to to be a time of new reinvention and and all those types of things then you know we can change lives and gosh who knows we can go farther than that you know we can change the whole makeup of this country um by getting people out there and keeping them involved and engaged and i think it's fabulous it's absolutely fabulous Absolutely fabulous. No, no doubt. So you speak all the time. You, you know, your, your goal isn't to be a gerontologist and serve one person here and one person there. You speak and share these messages all the time. I think you said you spoke to more than a thousand different audiences um, over the time. And you've also been on TV. You've been on Today Show, Good Morning America. If you, you know, if you think about the, the, the takeaway that you want those audiences to have, uh, what would that what would that one thing be today? Because, you know, if, you, if it's the if it's Oprah or if it's Good Morning America or whatever it is, when you're on those shows, is it the same takeaway today that you want for your audiences? Yeah, you know, Coach K, it really hasn't changed uh, from that. I just want people to think differently. And I think I bring the facts and figures and, and stories of real people to support that. Uh, and it and it is. I mean, you know, in my audiences, I can have, and I have had, you know, a nine-year-old, a great-great-granddaughter from someone else, and I've had a nine-year-old all in the same audience. And everybody takes away something different from it. Not only do the older people come up to me and say, wow, that was fabulous, you know, I do this or I do that or you should meet so-and-so or this person or that person. But the younger people also, you know, come up and say, wow, I never thought about it that way. And it just makes you look at your life in such a different perspective. So if you are so blessed 
to be able to do something that makes a difference in people's lives, you'll never work a day in your life. And I really don't feel like I ever have. You know, I, I think I always had hoped that I would be able to come into the, the financial industry space because certainly the financial gerontology is much bigger now than it ever was. I mean, when I started 25, 30 years ago, I started working for a bank in the trust department, you know, hoping that we would be able to figure out, you know, how to, you know, look at retirement in a different way and help people plan for it in much the way that I've been doing over the last 30 years. Um, it just never happened. Uh, but now because of this industry has really stepped up, really stepped up and really has, has shined a light on longevity. And I'm so proud. I couldn't be more proud to be in this industry, uh, proud of what they've achieved, the way that they've redesigned products and tools to help people, the messaging that they're using to explain longevity and retirement. And I feel so honored, like I said, to have been a part of that, uh, to help start maybe some of that thinking and getting some of these programs going. Uh, it's, it's absolutely something I just I I just couldn't be more delighted to be a part of, and I think we'll continue. I think we'll continue. There's a lot more work to do. Uh, I don't even remember the question now, Coach K. I don't even remember what you asked me. <laughs> that a well, line? no, but that that was a it was a perfect answer. It was an absolute perfect answer. And my next question <laughs> is: Are you going to retire? And if so, what will you do? Oh. Not, I'm not talking about in the next oh. five minutes because you're young. But yeah. I mean, yeah. you, know, you talk about Phyllis Diller retiring. Well, what about what about Kelly Farron? Yeah, no, I don't, you know, I have had incredible role models in my life. Both my parents are very healthy, very active. My dad's 92, my mom's 89, my mom still plays golf a couple of times a week, still teaches three times a week. Um, my grandparents on her side as well as my dad's side, both very healthy. And none of them ever retired. I don't, I don't, I mean, they retired from their real job, quote unquote. My mom hasn't. Her real job has always been teaching golf and she still loves it and she still does it. Um, but all the role models in my life uh, have always just continued doing what's next? What's next? So for me, I, I think it will always be what's next. I think I'll always be doing a form of, of my, my education and, and my cheerleading, uh, in that respect, but maybe, uh, in a different way, uh, maybe in a different industry. Uh, uh, so I think there's just, you know, look, the longevity game is here to stay. And uh, we're continuing to learn more and more about it. And everything that we're continuing to learn about it talks about the importance of staying active. And, you know, I I just, I see that. I believe it. Um, I've seen lots and lots of stories of it. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence. Uh, and I just think it's a, it's a really positive message that can be shared in all aspects of life. It doesn't matter what's the financial industry, the health industry, working in the senior living industry, you know, all of those industries I've been a part of. And it's a message that resonates no matter where I am or who I'm speaking with or who I'm touching. And you know what? I have to tell you. That, that, those groups of people, the super seniors out there, the seniors who are just blowing the doors off the image of aging, they're the ones who inspire me. Uh, I'm just the messenger. I'm just the lucky person that gets to meet these people and share their stories and, and talk about them in, in my work. But they're the ones who really inspire me uh, to do what I do, to carry that torch, to carry that message, because it's one that Everybody needs to hear, no matter what age you are, uh, and it will it'll rock your world. <laughs> it'll rock your world. Well, and you're you're lucky um, to know all these people and to be able to do all of this. But the real lucky people are those that get to hear you, because when you talk about this, it becomes inspiring. I mean, no one wants to think about getting old and going into a nursing home. And even financial planning, when people talk about financial planning, well, I don't really want to plan 
for what might be my demise, right? But you've turned this all around and it's about longevity and living this long, awesome life and all the things that you can do yeah. to do that. And it's inspiring, certainly to me, because I'm someone who can't even imagine ever retiring. But I don't think retirement is the same that it used to be. It's not retirement. So you go and you, um, you know, watch TV a lot or even, you know, go golfing a few right. times a week. To me, right. you know, re retiring can't be where you stop. It's got to be where you keep going. And that's exactly what you talk about. So I've loved listening to you today. Um, any, any final thoughts that you want to give the audience about how they can, you know, live this long, awesome life? Well, you know, I've, I've shared a lot of my, my core message and that's, you know, mindset, attitude, and beliefs drive behaviors. Um, so if you think the second half can be a great time, then live it and love it and do what you need to do. But I also think it's important to remember that it's not, all perfect and rosy. I mean, you know, health hiccups are going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and so we have to prepare for that. We have to plan for that. We have to anticipate the what ifs in life uh, and make sure that we've got those bases covered. Um, because I think that's an important part of holistic retirement planning uh, and really making sure that we have some of those. I mean, the industry has changed so radically. It's hard to believe that, that nursing homes, uh, as we know them, are shutting down left and right uh, with an aging phenomenon. A lot of people don't know that. But the reason for that is because the most fastest growing sector of healthcare in this country is home healthcare. So, you know, we need to educate people a lot. Uh, we need to help people understand that long-term care is not and insurance particularly is not nursing home insurance. I mean, it's home health care. Uh, and those are some of the things I think that are very frightening to people when they talk about planning for longevity. So we have to take the good with the bad. We have to recognize that we're not going to live forever and we're going to have some health hiccups. But what we have found through all of the studies is that the healthier we are before those health hiccups happen, the faster we're going to rehab and rehabilitate and come back from those health hiccups. So I think that's an important lesson. I don't want to paint this picture that everything's great, you know, uh, because, you know, we're going to have some challenges. But again, if we can just look at those as a hurdle in front of our life and know that we can get up and over it and we're back on the road again doing what we want to do, or maybe it's in some limited capacity, we're still, we've still got a lot to give. And it's really about give to live, you know, um, and doing that part of it as well. So, you know, those are some of my initial thoughts. Um, but it is an exciting time in this country, and it's a, it's one that we're going to continue to see. You know, I, I want to share one of my other thoughts, too, in final closing, and that is that, you know, we talk about with this aging phenomenon, what's changing, you know, 80 is the new 60, 70 is the new 50, 60 is the new 40. You know, I understand why people are saying that, but I don't really like it because it implies the idea of trying to be younger, which I'm not into. I want people to say, this is the new 60, this is the new 70, this is the new 80. Embrace it, live it, love your life. Don't fear aging. Don't try and fight it. Embrace it. Redefine it. Because that's really what's going on today. And I think that'll make us a healthier, happier group as we continue down this longevity journey. Absolutely. Absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much, Callie, for joining us on the Female Inside Zone today. It was absolutely amazing. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for all that you do, because you are amazing and absolutely phenomenal for all that you do. So we are blessed to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.